Hello, everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. I'm your host, George Kurth, here along with the two other first-round draft picks in the Kutztown University um, Intramural Flag Football League, Tyler Snyder. Hey, hey. And Cody Roadcap. What is up, everyone? Welcome into another episode of the Couch GM's podcast. As George mentioned, we all used to play flag football. Uh, we weren't very good. Uh, I was more of the safety that acted like it wasn't flag football and ran at people like I was going to tackle them. Hey, it's a good technique when you're playing flag football. Act like you're going to tackle them and then pull their flag when they pull up. Uh, but anyways, that's enough about us. Uh, the Couch GMs is just about having fun, talking football, and we're getting ready to head into draft season, which is one of my favorite times of the year. Absolutely, Cody. But before we get into draft season, we do need to talk a little bit about some of the free agent signings that happened this past week. Obviously, if you guys listened to our last podcast, you heard some of the big names that are already off the board. Um, but there were a few more since our last podcast. So we're going to highlight some of the good ones um, that were signed this week. And if you follow our social medias, we've been keeping you up to date with all those names before our last episode and even since. And there's still some out there, so we'll keep keeping you updated every single day. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at the Couch GMs. So, as Tyler said, why don't we jump right in with some NFL news and free agents that have been signed since our last episode. I know there's some that you guys want to talk about, so I'm just going to open the floor. We're going to throw the, the whole strategy out the window and just go for it like we did last week. So, talk to me. Who's somebody you like the fit of where they went? Well, I'll start it off, Whoa. and I'll go with... All right, Tyler Seitz it off. Yeah, I'll start it off. I'm going to go with Mitch Trubisky to the Bills. Now, Mitch Trubisky has been one of the biggest like jokes of the NFL since he's been drafted, mainly because of who he was drafted in front of, but we're not going to worry about that. But Trubisky never really lived up to the hype that he was supposed to have, um, and because of that, not only did he lose his starting job with the Bears and lose his team, but now he ended up going to the Bills as the new backup quarterback for Josh Allen on a one-year super cheap deal, pennies. Now, guys, there's backup quarterbacks around the league that I have honestly never even heard of in my life. That if they ever stepped on the field, all the fans would go, oh, we're screwed. And those guys are making more than Mitch Trubisky. Now, you have a guy who has, you know, experience playing in some big games. He may not be the flashiest quarterback. He might not be the most talented, but he is still a, you know, more than capable backup that went to a team that's trying to make a strong playoff push that, you know, he signed for nothing. If Josh Allen goes down and they're able to bring in Mitch Trubisky, you know, with no cap hit and have him play, I feel confident that they can still make a deep playoff run with him. I think it was a genius move by the organization. Um, I'm really surprised no other team jumped on it. I think that's because, you know, a lot of people, if they're Bills fans or just fans of the NFL and Mitch Trubisky comes in, they're going to be like, ah, oh, we're screwed. So... Maybe uh, maybe he did get the contract he was worth. Uh, we talked about it all last year, how it was a little uh, disheartening, how he was winning games and then he was still benched, but there was a reason for that. Uh, but some names I want to talk about uh, in the running back market, which kind of has exploded to some degree uh, since we last talked. There's just been a lot of signings, not too many big contracts. Uh, but the biggest contract um, since our last show was Kenyon Drake to the Raiders. Then I also want to talk on Philip Lindsay to the Texans and just these teams that are going full in on running back by committees. 
And if you're in a dynasty league, you're probably super excited for Josh Jacobs. Well, Kenyon Drake's there, and uh, he's going to split some carries, steal some carries, and who knows with Gruden, Kenyon Drake might be the starter. And then Philip Lindsay, it's like a four-headed running back room with, you know, David Johnson, uh, Mark Ingram, Dontre Hillard, and now Philip Lindsay down in Houston. These running backs are signing for pretty cheap contracts, but they are definitely muddying the waters uh, for the upcoming fantasy season. Two running backs, though, that might not end up in committees that uh, had some signings. Mike Davis went to the Falcons. We've all been talking about how much we love Mike Davis, and we talked about there's no one else really impressive down there in Atlanta right now. So there's a chance he could be a at least fairly workhorse back down there unless they decide to go someone in the draft. And Chris Carson going back to Seattle, you know, they've been trying to replace Chris Carson for years. And I think at this point now, I'm starting to become numb to the fact that they're trying to do it because every time they try to, he goes out there and gets enough carries and touches, whatever, throughout a game anyway, to be fantasy relevant. So I wouldn't be shocked if there's more rumors that they're trying to replace him, but they gave him a decent amount of money. He actually ended up with a contract in average per year, similar to what Aaron Jones got. So they're putting some kind of faith in him. I think he's going to get a bulk of their carries. He might be someone that could help us in fantasy with this whole running back by committee thing. Yeah, guys, and I'm actually less interested in the running backs that were signed and more interested in the running backs that weren't signed. Guys like James Conner and Todd Gurley. We talked about it on our last podcast that there is, you know, the running back position is so easily replaceable almost that there's no reason paying big money for one of these top guys when you can get somebody else for, you know, less money. So I'm really surprised that guys like James Conner and, um, yeah, Todd Gurley were not signed yet, although there is the issues with Todd Gurley's knee. But, guys, I want to go on to the wide receivers. Now, I like the Curtis Samuel signing, and the, I kind of like the Will Fuller to the Dolphins signing. It's, it's interesting, but honestly – all around these wide receiver signings that we had last week, I'm not thrilled with. Yes, I did just say I'm, I like the Will Fuller, the Dolphins signing, because I like the fact that they're trying to give Tua some weapons if he is their franchise guy. At the same time, I don't know if he really has the arm to be utilizing Will Fuller to the extent that he's supposed to be utilized at. And the other guys, T.Y. Hilton, I think he needed a change of scenery. He clearly wasn't meant for the Colts anymore. I feel like over the last two years, we've seen a huge fall off. Uh, Juju back to the Steelers. Talk about a guy who needs to change the scenery. I think he could have gone anywhere else and succeeded. But the biggest one, the biggest signing of maybe all free agency is Kenny Galladay. And he goes to the Giants. The reason I don't like this is because Kenny Galladay is such a talented receiver. Yes, he had some injury issues, but he's got the size, the speed, the hands. He's a guy that I love watching play, and it's like Calvin Johnson 2.0. I never feel like Calvin Johnson had that top-level quarterback to really help him exceed to the level he could have. He always had mid-level guys. So now you have Kenny Galladay on the Giants with Daniel Jones. I mean, I wanted to see him go somewhere with a quarterback that could really utilize his talents to the max. I hear what you're saying. Uh, I think it's a little crazy to say, you know, Calvin Johnson 2.0. I'm not going to give Kenny Galladay that credit. I'm not saying you met him as talent-wise, but no, he's not. Definitely want to clear the air on Calvin that Johnson. It's more so the fact of I see the career path going in the same direction is what I was saying. Uh, but you know, 
I've been back and forth on this one as well. Like, oh, is that the best spot for him? Obviously, it was because he got the most money, and that's always what their their goal is: is to get paid while they're still in the league. Uh, but maybe it's I'm starting to come around on Daniel Jones. Maybe it's because we haven't had football for a while. But Daniel Jones might have a very similar path to what we saw with Josh Allen. You know, Josh Allen struggled his rookie year, had an okay up and down second year, and then blossomed in his third year. And a big reason is that they went out and got him Stephon Diggs. Now, the Giants, same thing. It'll be Daniel Jones's third year. They went out and got him an elite wide receiver in Kenny Galladay. They still do have other pieces around him in Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton plus Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. If he can stay healthy, he's one of the best running backs in the league. This team is trying to put pieces around him, and the Giants are also making moves on defense as well. This team uh, could be a breakout surprise team uh, coming up this season, in my opinion. Giants also went out and got Kyle Rudolph after the uh, saga that was they didn't think he was going to sign him after all because he has some kind of foot issue and there was some issue in the contract with I don't know if it was paying for a surgery or like giving the ability to get surgery. I have no idea what it was, but he did finally officially sign on Wednesday to the Giants. There's even another weapon, even though Kyle Rudolph seems to be more of the blocking tight end these days. So you're right. They are trying to put a lot of weapons around him, but he's still Danny Penny's like. I almost feel like you putting Daniel Jones and Josh Allen in the same sentence is a hit on Josh Allen. And I don't know if it's because I have no faith in Daniel Jones or what, but I, I can see what you're coming from, but I don't think it's the same situation. The Giants also went out and got Adoree Jackson, which I've gotten to watch closely since he was on the Titans his whole career. But guys, he they overpaid like crazy for him. I mean, the Titans released him because they said he's not worth $10 million a year. That's too much money for him. So he goes to the Giants and gets 16. Uh, I have seen some former NFL players that have been tweeting like crazy saying, I need to know who a Dory Jackson's agent is. And I need to sign him right now because that is crazy. This guy is a magician. Um, do I think a Dory Jackson will be able to fit in that system and play some decent defense? Yes. I think he'll be all right. I think he'll uh, with the right coaching, he should be able to bounce back from his issues. He had in Tennessee. He should be a fine corner, not worth $16 million a year though. Um, but Cody, I do agree with you. I would actually say it's way too early to make these predictions. But right now, my favorite to win the NFC East is definitely the Giants. Yeah, George, I know you don't like it just like you didn't like that Joe Flacco signing, uh, which you definitely breezed <laughs> uh, over pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, I, I just I see the parallels. I'm not saying they're on the same path. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is going to be an MVP front runner uh, in 2021. Uh, but there is definitely some similarities with uh, that third-year leap that players are known to make. And then also, it does put pressure on Daniel Jones that their team is doing everything around him for him to succeed, that if he doesn't this year, his time in New York is probably gone. Uh, and then one other guy I do want to talk about um, is Ndamukong Sue going back to the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are pretty much bringing that whole Super Bowl team back they haven't really lost anybody uh they're probably going to lose leonard fournette that's another running back out there but hey maybe they'll get him back on a super cheap deal but that defense that was the reason they won the super bowl looks to be back together and on their way for a back-to-back title run i hear what you're saying they're bringing back the pieces that won the super bowl so they could be just as scary but 
I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong here, guys, but I feel like I've seen this story before. A team that has won the Super Bowl and then was so linked to their players that helped them get there. They weren't willing to move on from them, and it ended up tanking them. I don't know, George, maybe you could help me out here. The Eagles went out and got Anthony Harris this week, so I mean, they're starting to move on to some new players now, finally. <laughs> I mean, it's well, a little different also, because the Bucks players are younger, um, so it's not like they're holding on to these old guys, and they're not holding on to a miracle team. They're holding on to a solid team, but at the same time, like I said, I've seen this story before. I just hope it doesn't come back to bite him in the butt. I do, because yeah, as long as Tom Brady's team. there... I was going to say, as long as Tom Brady's there, uh, they're going to be competitive. As much as everyone wants to hate the guy, he's good at what he does. And the Bucks are probably the favorites in that division. Again, still too early. We'll break all that down as we get closer to the season. But with Drew Brees retiring, they're probably the clear favorites in that division as well. Uh, like George mentioned, though, there is plenty of opportunities uh, of franchise – or not franchise tags. We've already passed that. But of free agents – uh, signing and we're posting uh, daily at the end of the day of all the news and notes uh, so make sure you're uh, subscribed or following us on any of the social platforms to stay up to date with those uh, one guy that hasn't signed though is Jadavian Clowney former Texan Seahawk Titan and he is visiting the Cleveland Browns on Thursday or on Wednesday the day we're recording this I feel like he's going to land there. I feel like that makes the most sense. They've been the team that's been like looking for a pass rusher. Seems like a guy, one year, prove it deal. He'll maybe go through training camp this year and then bounce back next year. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts on the fits and possible destination of Cleveland and Jadavian Clowney? I mean, the Browns seem to be courting Clowney last offseason, too. So I feel like there's already a start of a connection there. And the Browns are close and it makes sense for them to go out there and get a pass rusher, which you said was their need and hope that it puts them over the top to make that deep playoff run this year. So I think it makes sense. Um, they seem to have the cap space as well. I think they were one of the teams that were kind of closer, but they didn't make that many big signings as offseason. So this would be their splash move. Yeah, the issue has never been talent. The issue has always been effort and consistency. So if Clowney can put in the effort on every play instead of half the plays, um, we'll see the type of talent that we've seen in the past, and I think he'll be just fine. He could earn himself a good, expensive, long-term deal after this season. Yeah, and I think pairing him with a guy like Miles Garrett, not making him the number one pass rusher, but a guy that can continually uh, rush the quarterback uh, as or two will definitely benefit him and we've already seen the Browns make two signings in the secondary so they just need to shore up that pass rush uh, and that's another team that is looking to compete uh, for a Super Bowl in the AFC in 2021 uh, but you know speaking of Cleveland we did get some good news uh, this week as well that the NFL is planning to have the draft back in person it will be in Cleveland this year Roger Goodell will be back on the stage and we all know what that means the boos are back Guys, there was a lot of people that loved the at-home draft style from last year. Are you excited that it's back in person? Or are you going to miss Roger Goodell's basement pick announcements? George is shaking his head no. no. Not at all. I, I think while it was fun last year, I think I miss the booze even more. Like there's something about 
you've been without football for a while. All you've had is the free agency talk and blah, blah, blah. And you see Roger Goodell come out on stage and you hear this, this, the sea of booze. And it's like, it feels like football. Like, I think that's what I missed the most out of last year. And I think it also doesn't help that we were in a very weird time soon after COVID hit and everyone was in quarantine. But still, I think it's going to be nice to have some kind of normalcy back in our NFL season. Yeah, I'll say that I think they did a very good job of making the best of the situation. I think it was definitely very fun for the situation that we were in. I mean, you got to think at the time that we had the NFL draft last year, it was we were all you know, almost depressed, just being in our house all the time, not able to go out, not able to do anything, not able to see any people. So just to have, you know, football come on our screen and watch a draft, it it felt great. But now if you put that into times where, you know, we're able to go out more, we're able to see more people, we're trying to get back to normal, it's not going to live up to the same level. I agree with George. There's something different about being there or you know, seeing the crowd, hearing the crowd. Uh, that's what I miss most about football in general is just hearing the roar of the crowd when a big play happens. It's a whole different type of energy, motivates teams different, motivates fans different. And I feel like the NFL draft is no different. Uh, I need those boos back in my life. I- I'm looking forward to an in-person draft. Yes, and we can't wait for uh, maybe the Steeler or the Raven that comes and roasts the Browns uh, when the players, one of the former player announced the picks. Those are always some key moments. But guys, speaking of the draft, uh, it's it's draft season, and we're going to join in on the fun, and we are going to start our new mini-series, weekly series, all the way up until the draft. It'll be the Couch DM's official mock draft. Uh, today we're going to do picks one through five. Some quick uh, rules. I don't know if they're rules, but some guidelines to the draft. Uh, is it will be the official couch GM's draft, but each one of us will alternate on who gets the final say for the pick. There can be a little bit of debate before your time is up on the clock. Uh, speaking of the clock, each person will have approximately five minutes. Some teams not might not need all five, like the Jacksonville Jaguars, even though they'll probably take all five or all 15 on actual draft day because that's how it works. Uh, unfortunately, we're not doing any trades uh, just to keep things uh, left less complicated and most importantly we need to hear your guys's feedback on your team's picks who we pick for your team thoughts if you hate it hey at this moment we're the commissioner announcing the picks feel free to boo us on social media be like our team will never do that uh but with all that said i guess it's time to say uh tyler as the couch gm of the jacksonville jaguars you are on the clock All right, guys, I am on the clock with the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first overall pick. Um, Some of their key offseason additions, they did go out and get cornerback Shaquille Griffin, which I think was a great move. Uh, Wide receiver Marvin Jones, you know, he's an older vet, but he knows what he's doing. He'll be able to slot in there just fine. I think he'll replace the loss of Keelan Cole just fine. Um, They also got Malcolm Brown, Roy Robertson, Harris. They are definitely making the moves. They are trying to go out there and get things done. I do think that they could use maybe another receiver. I think that'd be great for them. Um, And, you know, they did go out and get a tight end, but nobody big. I think that they could really use a key addition tight end. I think that would be one of the best moves that they'd be able to make, especially if they were able to get a young quarterback which I think hints at my pick a little bit here. Um, 
Gardner Minshew is going to be the guy. No, I'm just kidding. It's going to be Trevor Lawrence as the first overall pick for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not much else to say, guys. He is just a phenomenal uh, quarterback. I think he is a generational talent. He's going to come in, and I think it's going to be a lot like we saw from Joe Burrow last year before the injury. He's going to come in, and even on a bad team, you're going to just be watching him and saying, wow, I'm impressed with how quickly he's adapting. Um and that's the new age with the NFL. I mean, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, we've seen guys like that step in and succeed right away. I think it's going to be the same thing with Trevor Lawrence. That's the first pick. I think if this pick doesn't happen on draft night, there's going to be a million couch GMs out there just screaming at the Jacksonville Jaguars. So pretty slam dunk pick right there. I feel like it's one of those picks that if uh, it doesn't happen, the person that bet like a dollars on a dollar, a dollar on the field against Trevor Lawrence will like walk over bucks. Like, I feel like that's how certain we are that it, it will happen uh, to Trevor Lawrence. So Snyder, you did get an easy one. Uh, so everyone's saying the draft starts at two. Uh, I will be playing the couch. You know what? Hang on. I'm going to turn my video off, turn it back on and see if it unfreezes. Nope. Nope. <laughs> oh, we're keeping that in the podcast. Yeah, we are. <laughs> I don't care. Okay, so it does look like we're having a little bit of technical difficulty, so you can enjoy watching me on this uh, frozen uh, frame. And maybe it's not frozen for you. That would actually be ideal. Uh, but as I was getting to, I am the number two pick, the ca- the couch GM picking for the Jets. This is when the draft starts, guys. Uh, the drafts have been pretty – or the drafts, Wow. The Jets have been pretty active this free agency, getting some of my favorite signings like Carl Lawson. Uh, They added Corey Davis, which I think takes them out of the receiver, Um, but that wasn't really an option for me as well. And I'm torn between two positions here. If you've listened to the show in the past, you know I am a big stay with Sam Darnold. Now, this draft is supposed to be what we would do, and if it was what I would do, if I'm the Jets, I am trading – out of this pick at all costs. But we can't, unfortunately, do trades. Uh, So if the Jets end up picking at two, I think the guy they are going to go with and then the guy I would go with, uh, if I state the spot, would be quarterback back Wilson. Now, some may argue, is he actually even better than Sam Darnold? Mm, It's up in the air. I will say... The draft scouts love Zach Wilson. He's getting a list of players that are compared to, or he's getting compared to NFL players like a better version of Drew Locke. And you're like, oh, okay. Well, how about Baker Mayfield? Then there, then there's out there people like he's the next Russell Wilson. Oh, I've heard, oh, he's the closest thing to Patrick Mahomes. He can throw it off his back foot as well as Aaron Rodgers. Like these are high praises from draft scouts for a guy that's young. Now he did struggle a little bit um, playing at a small school. He was only two and four against top 25 talent. But again, he played at a small school at BYU. How much is that him compared to how much the team talent around him? Because at the end of the day, the NFL and football is a team game. He's going to thrive doing some RPO stuff. He's has a deep, fantastic deep ball. He can throw from any platform. If the Jets don't trade Sam Darnold, which we're not doing in this draft, so I'm going to stick with it. And the Jets will take Zach Wilson, quarterback, BY at number two. Very interesting. I mean, I, I, I was almost thinking you're going to see a number two pick wide receiver. 
uh, wide receiver there. But like, I, I mean, if you think Corey Davis is that guy, that's definitely the right pick for you. Well, don't forget the Jets also have picks later in the draft to get a wide receiver. I think, and maybe they even can flip Sam Darnold in this draft. I'm on the phone. I flip Sam Darnold for uh, a pick in Allen Robinson. So we'll just say that. Uh, but yeah, you, it makes a great point. A wide receiver wasn't on my top two. I was looking at offensive line help to bolster the protection around them, but they are going to roll with Sam Darnold. They are going to need some uh, passing pass catchers, maybe not just a wide receiver. There's another position that would be a shock at number two, but he was on my radar as well. Um, a lot of pieces needed in the Jets. That's why if you're going to take a quarterback and just go full rebuild, now's the time to do it. Makes sense. So that'll move us on to pick three in the draft, and that would be me on the clock as the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins were also Ooh. a team making a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> Dolphins were also a team making a couple of moves here in the offseason. Some of their key additions would be quarterback Jacoby Brissett, who replaced Ryan Fitzpatrick, who's now out of there. Will Fuller at wide receiver. The running back, Malcolm Brown, since you talk about defensive tackle Malcolm Brown already. And cornerback Justin Coleman. On top of Fitzpatrick, they also lost Shaq Loss in the edge rusher and Kyle Van Noy, the linebacker, was released. So wide receiver still a position need here for them. And I've been on the fence about this pick for a while here. So last year they had two first round picks. They took Tua at pick five and they took an offensive tackle at pick 18. They also turned around and took another offensive tackle in the second round. So I'm between the wide receiver position or again with them taking an offensive tackle and especially this high in the draft. I personally think you have to take best available or trade out. So since we're not going to say they're going to trade out because they don't need the quarterback at pick three, I think they're going to go offensive tackle and they're going to take Penny swell from Oregon. So this guy is by far the best offensive lineman in the draft. He is considered a vocal game day leader for Oregon, which is always good for a team that has a young starting quarterback, even though you might say, oh, well, offensive tackle might not be their best need. If you take one of those two from last year and bookended on the other side with Sewell, I think you're looking very good. And there's very few weaknesses on him. They say that he needs to work on sinking his hands and feet and pass protection. But this guy has done nothing but perform in Oregon. And if you're going to get a game day leader on your team as well, I think that's the best way to go at pick three. We'll just see if they take that pick or move out on the actual draft day. I do like that you went best best available, not based on team needs, because I think you should be besting or drafting best available or at least best available that maximi maximizes a need or makes your team the most better, the most better. Max wow. Whatever. We all know I can't speak. That's just a, that's a part of uh, being on the ride of the Couch Jams podcast. So I like that you went best player available, uh, but I'm shocked. Like this is, I don't, I can't see uh, Penny's going to Miami. I, I can't see it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm completely off topic. Maybe because I fought for him so hard at the Jets that I thought maybe he won't even be there. I know uh, off air we were talking how you thought I was going to go. Uh, with him to the New York Jets, yes, leaving your receiver at three. Uh, so I do like the pick. It it will be interesting um, because they invested so heavily last year. But maybe their second round guy can, which I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Maybe he can move inside to guard and just bolster that offensive line. Give two of the time he needs. They added Will Fuller, so again, 
wide receiver is not the biggest need. They they have Fuller, they have Devontae Parker, they have Mike Gusecki. This team has pieces, so you can get a franchise left tackle. Makes a lot of sense. So might be a surprise to some, but I'm going to say kudos to you, George. That was a good pick. To best available. I mean, that's what every team should be doing, I think. I'm not going to do that. And I'm now on the <laughs> clock with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, so as far as their key additions, there's not many. Honestly, nobody really noteworthy. Uh, the Falcons are in a position where they don't have a lot of money to be spending on free agents. They're in a tough position. Uh, so that's it's going to hamper a lot of teams. As far as their key losses, they did lose center Alex Mack, uh, safety Keanu Neal, which are some big losses. Now, if it was me drafting for the Falcons, I would probably take an edge rusher. Um but at the same time, I'm trying to think of what the Falcons would actually do as well as what I would do. Uh, and in my opinion, they just brought in Arthur Smith. He is a new offensive-minded head coach. So offensive-minded head coach is not going to want to take over a team, stick with old offensive players, and try to build up a defense. Offensive-minded head coach, I believe, is going to want to come in and shape up that offense to be how he likes it, the way he likes it, so that he can build for the future. And... I might be one of the only guys defending this guy left in the world, but I really, really like Matt Ryan. I still think he's a good quarterback, but I think he's on the way out. I do not think he is your future. So I'm going to go out and say I would have taken Zach Wilson here, but Cody already drafted him. So by our rules, I am not allowed to take him for the Atlanta Falcons. Um, So I am actually going to go out and draft Justin Fields, the quarterback from Ohio State to the Atlanta Falcons. I think that he is a uh, good young quarterback. I think he has the potential to be great. Uh, the only thing negative about him, I personally would say, is I don't think he's ready to start right out of the draft. I think he needs to sit a year and learn. And that's the beauty of where the Falcons are at. You have a guy like Matt Ryan, a seasoned vet, a um, former MVP, like that can coach up your guy for a year. You can ride with... Matt Ryan for a year and be solid. And then you have this guy, Justin Fields, to take over next year and uh, really take your team to the next level. Or depending on where the Falcons are at, maybe Fields steps in late later in the season in the second half. It's possible. I think it would be a great move for them. I think it's a move that I could definitely see them doing. Um, I think their best move would be taking the top edge rusher available. Uh, who that is is debatable up to you. But I think... Atlanta Falcons right here are going to take Justin Fields. Interesting. That's definitely definitely a fun name. The uh, the Georgian kid gets to go home play for his hometown team. I do I do like that. Interesting though, if you're and just as just me talking a lot, if you're going to make the guy sit a year, a guy with upside or I mean I I don't really like saying upside. They're all teenager or low twenty players. They all have upside, but. A guy that from a smaller school like North Dakota State and Trey Lance, very athletic, very raw, could de- would absolutely has to sit a year. Justin Fields reminds me a little bit of uh, not not saying talent and skill wise. I think they're a little bit different, but he reminds me of a guy like Justin Herbert, who we were up on the fence on. Who does he need to sit a year? He looked so good two years ago. He had an up and down uh, last year, and. Justin Fields in the 2020 season, he was up and down. He looked great in some games, especially the first round of the playoffs. 
didn't look great in the Big Ten championship, didn't look great against Northwestern, didn't look that well despite having the rib injury in the championship game. So Justin Fields has a lot of questions. I do like the idea of him sitting behind Matt Ryan for a year, and that's another team outside of running back, uh, which you can find anywhere in the draft. They might be doing that later. Uh, If we were doing a three-round mock draft, I'm sure one of us would put a running back there. Uh, But they do have Julio Jones still. They do have Calvin Ridley. This team has offensive weapons that he can fit right into, grow with a year, learn from Matt Ryan. Again, I think it's another solid pick. Some people might not like it, might say it's too high for Justin Fields. Uh, But at the end of the day, if you're getting a quarterback that's going to start for multiple years, on your franchise, you can't draft them early enough. Exactly. Quarterback is the most important position. It is uh, first and foremost when addressing a team. So I think if you like a guy like Justin Fields, yeah, there is no such thing as too high. Um, Mitchell Trubisky, uh, Bears fans could be saying that about Mitchell Trubisky. Like, yeah, there is a too high. But uh, at the same time, yeah, I think it's a good pick. I like the Justin Fields pick here at four. But I mean, like, I don't know if they're a team that expects to um, actually contribute this year. I think they could have a big bounce back, but I don't think they're going to compete for a championship. So I like the idea of being able to go out there while you have the high pick and take the quarterback you want, as opposed to every other team that waits too long and then has to scramble to throw together draft picks to be like, I'll trade you for number one and get whoever that guy is. Like, while you have the opportunity, do it. That's a great point. It's a lot better to need need a quarterback... Uh, when you don't necessarily need a or take a quarterback when you don't need a quarter, quarterback. The worst time to try to find one is when you need it, I guess is the way, best way I'm trying to say. Uh, but that'll move us on uh, just to the number five pick. Uh, so the Bengals, Cincinnati Bengals are on the clock. I will be making their selection. Just a quick recap. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, surprise, surprise, went number one. Zach Wilson, number two. Penny Sewell, number three. And Justin Fields, number four. And that puts the Bengals on the clock at five. Now they've had some key additions like Riley Reef, left tackle, uh, some cornerbacks. They flopped some spots with like Mike Hilton and Chidobia Wuze, but they did lose William Jackson, the third, and they did lose Carl Lawson on the edge. They swapped him out with Trey Hendrickson. Um, They had Joe Burrow. They had the number one pick last year. They had Joe Burrow. He did get hurt uh, last year. And for me, this is the spot I thought, I, th- I still think Penny Sewell is going to end up in Cincinnati. I think that's going to be hmm. like it's a match made in heaven, but George already took him, so I can't. So I had to pivot. He was my thought process going into this. Um, so I'm going to take a wide receiver here. Now, which wide receiver is definitely up for debate? Uh, there, There's two at the top. Some may say three uh, with, between Jalen Waddle, Devonta Smith, and Jamar Chase. For me, I'm going to have to go with Jamar Chase. So the Cincinnati Bengals will select Jamar Chase. He did opt out in 2020, but he did play in 2019 with Joe Burrow, which I think is a deciding factor. They already have a good chemistry. Just like I think if the Dolphins would go wide receiver, I think they'd probably lean Devontae Smith because he has experience with Tua. Um, But back to Jamar Chase. In that 2019 season, his numbers weren't too far off from what Smith put up last year when he won the Heisman. He had 84 receptions for 1,700 yards and 20 touchdowns. That's a lot of touchdowns when they were already supporting guys like Justin Jefferson, who we saw have a breakout year last year, 
and he also had Thaddeus Moss, who probably should have went back to school for another year, but that offense was talented. Jamar Chase does have a little bit of weakness. He is not the most elusive. He's not going to be a yards-after-the-catch guy, but he's going to win your 50-50 balls. He's going to make all the catches. Some people say he has a basic route tree. I think he can run. He might not be the most uh, elite route runner, but he can run routes as well as anyone from any position. Jamar Chase will fill in nicely for the A.J. Green role, which is another player they lost. And this is also part of my long-term plan that Zach Taylor won't be back after this season, and they will complete the trifecta by uh, hiring offensive coordinator from the Panthers, Joe Brady, uh, was who was the offensive coordinator for that 2019 LSU team. So a little long-term planning in this pick, but Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase uh, are back on the field together. Offensive tackle was another consideration here. I just didn't – I think it's too early to take a guy like Rashawn Slater – uh, he can be good, but not in the top five when I can get an elite talent at wide receiver. On the inside somewhere, George is crying right now because I know Jamar Chase is the one guy he wanted the Eagles to get this year. Just a little bit, and that is a teaser for our next episode, too, where we will go through 6 through 10, and the first on the clock would be the Philadelphia Eagles. So, yes, we'll have to see where I go with that because that will actually be my turn next episode. Yeah, George, you do get to kick it off. Um so just one more time, the recap of the first five picks of the 2021 official Couch GM's mock draft. Number one is Trevor Lawrence uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Again, everyone's going to be shocked if that doesn't happen. Uh, number two, the New York Jets was Zach Wilson. Number three, the Miami Dolphins was Penny Sewell. Number four, Atlanta Falcons, Justin Fields. And the Cincinnati Bengals took Jamar Chase. Uh, so that wraps up the mock draft. Now, guys, before we go, we have a little bit more time. This is completely off topic. I'm throwing this on you last minute. And I heard something and it made me think, and this is going back to next year's award season. It probably doesn't even fit in this timeline of when we're doing it, but I heard it and I didn't want to forget it. So I'm going to ask it now live on the air. Do players that opted out in 2020 count towards comeback player of the year in 2021? Ooh. No. No, I don't think they deserve to. I believe comeback player of the year should be somebody, you know, who had a big downfall, downswing, uh, somebody who had a big injury, someone who overcame, you know, poor play and a poor team. We've seen, uh, you know, Ryan Tannehill won it because with the Dolphins, he was basically an outcast. They thought his career was about over and he came back and led the Titans to a deep playoff run. We've seen Alex Smith get it because he had a horrific injury. And I mean, that guy's comeback player of the century uh, for the injury and all the Think hurdles that he had to overcome. I believe just because you opted out for a COVID season does not make you eligible for comeback player of the year. Uh, to me, I think if it's a long, I mean, I understand opting out. There's nothing wrong with it with uh, COVID going on. It's understandable. You got to think about the safety of your family, safety of your friends. But I think it's on the same level of if a player opted out of his contract or held out an entire season, like Le'Veon Bell, did he deserve to win play? Be- uh, comeback player of the year after holding out for an entire season uh, with the Pittsburgh Steelers. If he would have went to the Jets and became, you know, one of the top running backs in the league, did he deserve comeback player of the year? I personally don't believe so because it was his choice not to play. He didn't have to overcome anything. Uh, these guys aren't overcoming anything. It's just they're back. I agree. I mean, 
because it was their choice and there wasn't anything that forced them out or there wasn't just a downward spiral in play, I don't think they should be eligible for comeback player of the year as well. Even though I think there are some guys who opted out for good enough reasons that like maybe they could deserve it in the moral sense. I don't think that they should actually get it. Like the two that are coming to my head is I believe the name's Duarte Tardif. Uh, he's a lineman for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's Canadian since we're mentioning that a lot in these last few episodes. Uh, he was actually working as a um, nurse in the front lines to help fight COVID. And Marquise Goodwin, who is a caregiver for his um, sister, his little sister, who is, I believe, on the autism spectrum. Um, he didn't want to get his family sick. So, like, there's good reasons why these players opted out, I'm sure. But I don't think that should make them eligible for comeback player of the year. Yeah, I get what you guys are saying. It's tough because it's it's like you can't – it's either they're all or nothing, uh, but and you. I guess it'd be too hard to judge on what their reasons were. Uh, you shouldn't have, shouldn't be able to take that right. So maybe they just don't don't qualify. And there's probably not even a guy that opted out that I can think of off the top of my head that will have the season to warrant comeback player of the year. Uh, but it was an interesting thing I saw on Twitter, and I wanted to get your guys' opinion. Uh, I probably should have saved it for our awards prediction show, if but we all honest, know I would have forgot. Uh, right now, I don't think there's a chance of anybody winning comeback player of the year except Joe Burrow and Dak Prescott. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be one of those two guys winning comeback player of the year next year. Yeah, it'll probably be Dak Prescott. Mm-hmm. Most likely. But That's a great point. <laughs> but Burrow well, has that potential as well. Yep. I, I can see that one as well. But we'll save our predictions, our award predictions for much closer to the NFL kickoff. Um, it's a relatively short episode compared to our uh, previous few, uh, but we hope you enjoyed it. Uh, like I said, the draft is going to continue all the way up and through April until it's a uh, draft night. So stick along with us, make sure you're following us on social media, but as always, thanks for listening to this edition of the couch GMs podcast. And Hey, if you're just listening and not watching my frozen face on YouTube, hit hit subscribe. Leave a five-star review. We like to read them. If it's a good one, we'll read it on air. And if you are watching on YouTube, hit the like button. Hit the bell to get notified when we post new videos. And uh, anybody listening out there, we'd love for you to get involved. Uh, there's plenty of ways to get involved. You can tell us you know, who you think should be drafted in the first five picks, uh, what free agent signings you liked and didn't like, which guys are still out there that you want your team to sign. Or you could just take a screenshot of Cody's frozen face on YouTube right now and make a fantastic Couch GM's meme and send it to us, and I promise you we'll put it on our social Um Maybe even the best meme will uh, get some kind of a prize or a shout out on our podcast. Who knows? We'll see where it goes. But either way, this podcast is way more fun for us and especially more fun for you when you get involved. So please do. And thank you one more time for listening to the Couch GM's podcast. We're looking forward to your memes and captions on that photo. For Tyler Snyder and Frozen Cody Roadcap, I'm George Kurth, and we'll see you all next week. Boom!